Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 81. Today we're talking about sharing. Sharing with siblings, sharing with strangers' kids, sharing at a play date. Do we make kids share or is it like, no, that's you get to use that until you're done with it? How do we navigate this all from an emotionally supportive way and to teach pro-social behaviors? All right, let's hop to it. Let's just dive right in, folks. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. I recently posted on Instagram. Uh, If you're not following on Instagram, I'm pretty active over there. Come join our conversations. It's at seed.and.so, S-E-W. But I recently posted on Instagram about sharing. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, tell me more. Let's have a deeper discussion here. So let's dive in. We're going to have a full podcast episode all about sharing. Now, there are typically two schools of thought on this. As with most things, they tend to be on different ends of the spectrum here. Like either I'm never making my kid share, what's mine is not yours, that's not how the world works, or yep, everybody takes turns, we're all going to share. And I want to find a middle ground here. I want to, as with most things, like... I'm not looking to swing the pendulum to the other side. I want to find that middle space. So I look at a few things. I started to like just take notes for myself and think back to kiddos who at this point I've seen thousands of kiddos. I've worked with so many families and I've noticed some trends. Some kiddos really like to share that like if they're playing with something they will come offer something to a friend or if they're eating they'll offer me a cracker or a cookie or whatever they have and I there's even some kids in my life who will hand me stuff and say like you can have it forever (laughs) right so some kiddos really love to share it like brings them joy and I started to 
note, like, what is it with those kiddos that I notice uh, that might be leading to this, like, more collaborative play and a desire for it? Because I think taking a kiddo who doesn't have that desire and saying you have to share your toy is maybe not the way to go about this. Instead, I want to look at, like, what skill sets can we build so that kids have more of a desire to share? and to bring other people into their play and to collaborate more. Because for me, sharing is more about, I mean, if there's a set number of magnetiles and a kid is building and another kid comes over and wants to play, I want to raise the human that's saying, ooh, how can I bring this other kid into my play? How can he enhance or she or they enhance my play, right? It might be like, oh, you know what? I'm building a farm with these magnetiles. Could you find the animals that could go in the farm, right? Like, I want that kid who says, how can I bring this other human in, in a collaborative manner, for a few reasons. A, like down the road when they're working on group projects in school or they have to solve projects in life or they're at work. I want the kid who then grows into the adult that is collaborative, that looks around and doesn't see other people as a threat, but rather sees other people as adding to the world, adding to their space, adding to their projects. So when I look at this and I look at kiddos who I see doing this more and more, it's kiddos who have a high level of empathy. It's kiddos who have a high level of connection and trust. So if another kid comes over and let's say Sam's building with magnetiles and Lucy comes over and wants to play, if Sam feels like Lucy's going to knock down what he's been working on, if Sam doesn't trust that Lucy will respect his space, it's going to be really hard for him to welcome her in. But if we're working with not just Sam, but also with Lucy on making sure that their space is is protected, uh, actually, I was at the beach a couple of years ago, and there are two kiddos there, both um, toddler preschool age. And one of them was building with like in the sand. I was sitting right next to them. They were building something in the sand. And an- the other kiddo came up and I saw his like leg swing and I realized he was going to knock it down. So I caught his leg in midair and said, she's working really hard on building this. I'm not going to let you knock it down. And he was like caught off guard that I was holding his leg and, and all that jazz. He just looked at me and I, so I said it again, she's working really hard on building this. I'm not going to let you knock it down. Would you like to come play too? And he nodded his head. And so I was like, okay, great. Let's look and see where we can find more toys so that you could come play too. And he was like a little trepidatious, but we ended up finding some toys. He came, he played, and I kept a close eye to make sure that like he didn't knock down her thing, like try and do that again. And at one point he did like move his hand over and I grabbed it and I said, I'm not going to let you knock down her building. She's working really hard. You could play with her. You can ask her how you can help, but I'm not going to let you knock it down. And then after that, we kept playing. And then later, we were just hanging out down by the water. It was just the two of us, just him and I. And I said, you know what? I wonder if you were building something and somebody came and knocked it down. I wonder how that would make you feel. And with a smile on his face, he said, sad. 
And it can be really hard in these moments when they're smiling, but and it seems like they don't have remorse because that's our that's what we're perceiving by their facial expression. But I said, yeah, you know what? Sometimes when I see somebody playing with something, sometimes I feel a little jealous because I want to be doing that too. And I was like, but I have learned that if I can take a deep breath, then usually I can go over and say, hey, can I play too? Or how could I help you? How could we do this together? And then it's more fun for me because that person is playing and I'm playing and we get to do it together and build really cool things. And that's often a lot of fun for me. And so I put it in the context of me and shared this example so that he had a way to connect with this and and another way to handle that. So the next day we're at the beach again. Uh, We were there for a week. And in this instance, He was like nearby and I was sitting there building and playing with this little girl and he I just could see his eyes. He was like watching us and he came over and I like kind of got heightened. I was like ready for him to swing that leg up and try and knock something down. And then I just looked at his eyes and caught his caught his gaze and he said, can I play too? And I was like, yeah, buddy, that would be so fun. And so I turned to the little girl and asked her how can we bring him into this? What could he do that would be helpful? And she was like, oh, you could build the tunnel to come into here. And then they were off to the races and they were playing together and building together. There was still conflict in and out of their play. There were things they didn't agree on, but they were collaborating and working together. And I think this is the huge part of sharing is that I want to bring kids into this to say like, I wonder how we could do this together. I wonder what they could add to this. Sometimes kiddos will say, I just want to do it by myself. And usually for me, that means they're having a hard emotion and they are still working to process something and they need time alone. And so they are playing with a toy or reading a book or doing something by themselves because they are trying to process a hard emotion, in which case... I will let them go ahead, like you can do it by yourself. If this is a common thing and the kid only ever wants to play by themselves and never wants to bring somebody else into their play, then I'm looking at building empathy and trust and connection, right? So I might even turn to that kid and say, are you feeling nervous that they might knock down your tower that you're building? Or are you feeling nervous that they will take that toy and you won't get to have another turn again? I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. It can be harder if there's like one thing. So when I was teaching, we had this like popper, like the kids could push the... Uh, we had one when I was growing up. It's like a ball on wheels and it has like little balls or whatever inside and you push it and it pops. My kiddos loved this and it was like a hot commodity. So what we did with this, we would set timers because it would be something that like one kid would end up hanging on to even if they weren't playing with it anymore. They would just be walking around with it in their hand or they would end up playing with it the whole time and other kids would just not get a turn. So we, with that, and put a timer on like what, I think it was like three or five minutes or something. And I like to use a visual aid for this. So we use sand timers where kids can see when their time's running low and we'll just say like, okay, it looks like you have about one minute left when we see the sand is running low. Do you remember who you're going to give it to next? So that they're prepared for that. Same with like swings, if there are a limited number of swings, where I, w- I would take turns with those things when there's a limited number of the thing and there isn't a way to like bring somebody else into the play. Sometimes they have kiddos like push the other kiddo on the swing, but they might be asking for the swings because they're looking for that sensory input. So um, when there's like one of the toy or, or something like that, then I would say let's use a timer and so that everyone gets to have a turn it doesn't mean that there are so many times I've pulled a crying kid out of a swing because they didn't want to be done and it's okay it's okay for them to be disappointed that their turn is over I essentially am there to say like yep it's okay to feel that and I'll validate it for them and ask them if they'd like a snuggle to feel calm. It really just helping them get back to a calm state before we even talk about it. So I'm not saying in that instance, like you'll get to have another turn soon or you had your turn and your time is up or you could go play on the slide. Like I'm not solving their problem in that moment. Then I'm just emotion coaching and validating that it is disappointing to have your turn up and I'm happy to help you navigate navigate this and and go back to emotion processing here. If you want more info on emotion processing and how to emotion coach for emotion processing, you can go to episode number 63. Lauren and I dive into how to bring kids through the phases of emotion processing. Okay, so trust, connection, and then I like to use things. I was in this classroom. I was as a consultant working and It was a classroom of four-year-olds and there were these kiddos in the block area and they had built this really cool spaceship and they'd been working really hard. There were like four of them in there and I was in there with them and they were so excited about all this and they're almost done with the spaceship and this other kid walks over and asks if he can play too, if he can come in. And they, one kid turned and said, there's no room in our spaceship. We already finished it. 
And so the kid who'd come over and asked then like sauntered away, like head down. And I just said out loud to these kiddos, just almost in like a soft, calm voice was just like, hmm, I wonder how it would feel if you really wanted to play with some other kids and you were feeling lonely and then you were so brave and you went and you asked if you could join and they said, no, there wasn't space for you. I wonder how that would feel. I didn't say you have to go include that kid because guys, no one ever feels included when they're made to be included, right? When you're just like filling a quota, like no one's like, great, I feel great about this. You want to feel chosen. You want to feel like those people want you around. And I just wanted to, with this group in the block area, instill a sense of like empathy here of I wonder how it would feel really just triggering for them like, oh, That person has feelings and my actions and words affect that. So they started just like one kid just started building more onto the spaceship. And then the other kids without even words, like went over and helped. And then they finished and went and got that kid and said, hey, there's another spot in our spaceship. You can come. And they just brought him right back and he played with them. Really what I did here was just build a little empathy. I think when we can catch those moments it can be really powerful. So say we're like in the sandbox and it's a stranger's kid and you're there at the playground and you don't know this family and your kiddo's playing with something and another kiddo comes up and says like, can I have a turn or can I be next or comes up and takes like a shovel from them. All right, let's break this down. If they come up and take something from your kid, then I would just gently step right in there and say, I'm going to hold it while we talk about it. And then I'm going to say, oh, it looks like you were playing with this and you want to have a turn too. What should we do? And I'm just like bringing them in now, as long as everyone's still in a calm state, if they're not in a calm state, I'll emotion coach them individually first. But the key is that I'm holding the tool. So whenever I'm helping to build the like conflict resolution skills between kiddos over a thing, I'm holding it. Uh, I was recently visiting family and there is a five and a four year old and they were doing watercolor and there was one cup of water. And so the little boy like was using, it was right near him and he was using it. And then the little girl came over and she grabbed it and he, so then he pulls it back and now they're just like in this battle with each kid has a hand on the water cup. They're both pulling, like, obviously this is going to end with water everywhere. And so I just came over and I said, Hey guys, I'm going to hold it while we talk about it. And one kid let go while it was in my hand and the other kid still held on. So I just gently like pried their hands right off of there and said, I'm going to hold it while we talk about it. Let's solve this problem together. And when I came over calm, I was bringing the calm for them so that I could model this. So then I just asked each person, like, can you tell me what happened? And I let each of them have a turn. And they each essentially told me the same story. I was using it first. And so I said, oh, man. And I just took a deep breath. I said, man. I don't know how to solve this problem. It sounds like there's one cup of water and you both want to have it by yourself. What should we do? 
And then one kid was like, well, I could have it first, and then she could have it. And then she was like, well, I could have it first, and then he could have it. And I was like, hmm, there's one cup of water, and you both want to have it first. Hmm, I don't know how to solve this problem. What else could we do? And... Then the little dude was like, we could get another cup inside and we could fill it with water and then we could each have one. And I was like, totally, let's see if there's another cup. And then if there hadn't been another cup, I would have said, oh man, it looks like there's just one and you both want to have a turn. What could we do? And I want to keep bringing it back to them. But the key is that I'm staying calm. And when you're calm through this, they are more likely to be calm through this. Uh, So I modeled this and we ended up solving the problem. We figured it all out together. So if now, if you're in the sandbox and a stranger's kid comes up and takes the toy, you can do the same thing. You can step in and model this conflict resolution. If we let the kids just figure it out on their own, they will, but there will be some kiddos who will acquiesce and the other kiddo who will just become like the alpha in this situation. And what I want is to build empathy here. So I want to acknowledge like what the situation is and what each person wants and then have them collaboratively solve this. Guys, our emotion processing method is called the collaborative emotion processing method. I want to raise humans who are collaborating, who aren't like the mean girl on the playground, but rather are the includers who are saying like, I wonder what everyone's bringing to the table. I wonder how we can all bring different strengths to the table. So if your kiddo walks into the sandbox and they want what another kiddo has, then I would say, oh man, it looks like they're playing with that. They're having a turn right now. It's so hard to wait for your turn. What could you do while you're waiting? What could you build maybe with them? How could you work together? And if they might not want to, and that's okay too, they might just choose to go and do something else. But I'm not just going to say like, okay, they're having a turn. You can have a turn in five minutes. I'm going to encourage them to add to the table in some other way, bring something else to the table here. It does mean that when you're teaching these skills, you're going to have to get down on the ground and hold the toy and talk through this language and be consistent with it of like, oh man, it looks like you wanted to have a turn with that and your little brother came up and took it. And we had someone reach out and they're like, okay, uh, I have a younger kiddo and an older kiddo and the younger sibling is coming up and taking the older sibling's toy because the, the younger one is like now crawling and able to move. And it's like, oh, I want that, right? So then I'm really working on making sure if the younger kiddo comes up and takes something from the older kiddo, I'm going to snag that from the younger one and say, oh, it looks like Tyler was using that. You could play with this instead. And like just reinforcing, I'm not going to let you take something out of somebody's hands. That's something that we can lay groundwork for very early. Often we'll just like let those things slide. But then the older kiddo doesn't trust that we're going to keep their play space safe, right? Then we're losing that like trust and connection here. So I want to have respect for their play space and say like, if you're playing with this, I'm not going to let your younger sibling come take it. 
and vice versa. If the infant has something, I'm not going to let the three-year-old come take it from the infant, right? I will say to the three-year-old, oh, it looks like he's using that. Would you like to see if he would want to trade you for something? Because maybe the infant doesn't really care and they'll trade. But if they're not going to trade, if they don't want to, oh, it looks like he doesn't want to trade. He's going to use that right now. What else could you play with while you're waiting for your turn? Just calm and collective of like, this is just matter of fact, I'm not going to let you take something out of somebody's hands and I won't let them take it out of your hands either. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I love hanging out with you guys so much. The only thing that I wish during these podcasts was that you could ask questions and we could have a conversation about it, that we could dive deeper into things, that all of your questions could be answered in real time. I started the Tiny Humans Big Emotions virtual membership where every month I go live and I present on a topic and then you get to ask questions in real time And it's saved so that you can watch it again later or share it with your partner, reflect back if you need a reminder on something. This month, we are talking about transitions as we leave summer and go back into school or maybe bring a new babe into the family. How do we navigate these changes? How much of a heads up do we give kids? When do we do it? What do we do? How can we emotionally support them for new things coming their way? How do we walk them through it when it's hard? All that jazz. We're diving in this month. And if you want to catch it live, go to tinyhumansbigemotions.com to sign up right now. It's $14.97. And you get access to the past workshops on things like responding to tantrums to build emotional intelligence and how to navigate anxiety as an adult and tiny humans with anxiety or co-parenting. 
You get access to all of these recorded videos when you join our membership, and then you get to attend live and have access to that bad boy for the entire year. Come join us today, tinyhumansbigemotions.com for our next live workshop. So when we have that age differential where we can't necessarily collaboratively play, where the infant isn't necessarily going to come like join in on the play in the same way they will when they're older, when they're younger, then it's, I think, about building that trust and connection for that kid's space. What we'll see sometimes is like, oh, I'm using that when they aren't, right? So they have a whole bin of animals and they've created this farm and there's a whole chunk of them that are sitting over in the bin still. They've pulled out, let's say, seven animals and the cow is still in the bin and it does not appear to be used right now. And the infant comes over and grabs the cow and starts chewing on it. And the three-year-old screams, that's mine. I'm using that. I'm going to step in here and I'm going to let the infant keep chewing on it. I'm going to turn to the three-year-old and say, oh, wow, it looks like you're really frustrated. You were using the animals and now Lucy is chewing on the cow. (laughs) And just validating the situation first. And then I'm going to say, how can I help you feel calm so we can solve this problem together? We are not solving problems while they are yelling. I want them in the habit of this, of yelling isn't how we solve our problems. We can feel angry, we can feel frustrated, we can express, and then we can find our calm so we can solve this problem. So then if they try to like take the animal, I I will physically move their body or I'll pick the infant up with the animal and say, Ugh, I can tell you're still really frustrated. How can you feel calm so we can solve this problem together? I want to help you solve this. What could you do to help your body feel calm first? And then I might, if they don't know these things, then I'm going to be offering them two coping strategies. Now, once they're calm, then I will say, all right, you know what? It looks like you have all of the animals in the bin and over here where you were playing. I want you to pick a couple animals that you can share with your sibling because you have all of them and he doesn't have any. In this case, what I'm doing is like slowly building, it's a modeling that like you don't get to control the whole space here. It's not like everything in this house is just yours. That two kiddos live here and this can be a part of just like having a new sibling who's now in your space and taking your things that have always up until this point just been yours. So part of this is like teaching them, this isn't all just yours. In fact, I love using a special space for a kiddo. So whether it's uh, a sibling or if they're having a play date and more kids are coming over, I love being like, okay, anything that is out in the living room, anybody can play with. If you have something special that you want to keep just for you, you can put it in your room. You can play with it in there. Um, and nobody will take that from you. But if it's in the living room, your little brother, your little sister might come play with it too, and that's okay. This is a space for everybody and everybody's things. If it is a coping mechanism, they never have to share it. Like, they never have to share their pacifier or their lovey, or I had a little kid who would carry around a truck, and that was his coping mechanism. 
when he was having a hard feeling, uh, that's what he would use to like soothe until we built coping strategies. And so coping mechanisms, they never have to share because it's really like a comfort item for them. It's not just a toy. It's so much more than that. It's it's as if like for me, like I would never share my engagement ring or my wedding band with anybody, right? Like those are for me. I never have to share them. But if a friend comes over and is like, oh my gosh, those earrings are so cute. Like, yeah, feel free to wear them or that necklace or that bracelet. But I'm never sharing my engagement ring or my wedding band because it's not just a piece of jewelry. So those are things that like I would say they never have to share. And if someone comes and takes it, I would really just like take it right back and say, you know what, this helps them feel calm and safe. I'm gonna give that back to them. That's not something that is for you to play with. And that's it, just straight into the point there. All right, guys, it means a lot of modeling and then just empathy building. So when we are reading books, you can start to build this like, oh, I see in that picture, that kid is all by themselves, And these other kids are over here playing in the block area or over here playing with trucks or, over here playing dress up. If you were in that group of people playing, what could you do to help that child feel included? Just sparking these questions for them. And then you guys, when you see them do something that is inclusive, highlight it. We should be building up their character with four positive things to every one negative thing they hear. So if they do something that is so helpful and kind, then I'm gonna, I want to like scream from the rooftops, right? Like I want to be like, wow, I saw that they didn't have any magnetiles and you gave them some of yours. That was so thoughtful of you. You're so kind. Just highlighting these things, giving them that positive attention and showing them you value those parts of their character, right? That like those are positive traits that you really value. And when you acknowledge them, and give them those words of affirmation. It's just like if Zach takes out the garbage, if I say nothing ever, he'll probably still keep taking out the garbage. But when I say like, hey, thanks so much for taking out the garbage. I appreciate that. Or thanks for washing the dishes in the sink so that I didn't have to. I really appreciate your help. Just those little words of affirmation and just acknowledgement of kind things go such a long way. So when it comes to sharing, if you can highlight like, oh my gosh, I saw you give her a turn when you were all done. I remember when she said, can I be next? And then she was over playing on the slide. And when you were finished, you brought that shovel over and said, I'm all done. Would you like to be next? I saw you remember that and give her a turn. And I'm so proud of you. That was so thoughtful. I bet that made her feel really happy, right? Like let acknowledging these things and building your kiddos up when they're doing the kind thing is huge. Absolutely huge. If all they hear from us is the negative stuff they're not doing, then we're going to get stuck in this loop. But if we want them to know like this is we really value this. I really value this in our house or in our family. I love this about you. Guys, that's what you're going to see more of. So sometimes it's even like going into a situation and pre-teaching. Like, you know, last time we were at the playground, I saw that you went to climb up the stairs and another kid came at the same time and you stepped aside and told them they could go first. That was so thoughtful of you to share that space. 
Just like highlighting one of those things on your way into the playground, that's the last thing they're thinking about. Or even like pre-teaching in terms of if you were playing today and you wanted to have a turn on the swings and they're all full, what could you do? What could you say? So that we're just giving them these tools up front so that they have these things on their mind when they're going into a situation. These, you're not going to like start doing this work tomorrow and then the next day they're going to be like sharing and loving sharing. This is something the more consistently you model and you highlight in their character and the more you can keep your cool and calm and collective step into a situation and model how to find our calm and then problem solve this and come back to a point of collaboration how could we work together what could we do like bringing that language to them modeling that guys it'll be a game changer do me a favor, come on over to Instagram at seed.and.so.sew. I want to hear your anecdotes. Like, come, I, I will have a post on the gram today, and I want you to come and share, like, hey, I have this question. Come ask more questions. Let me hear from you. Or this happened, and I'm not sure how to handle this. Let's talk about it. I love the crap out of like diving deeply into this. So, come on over and let's chat. All right, I can't wait to see you over on the gram. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search seed and sow colon voices of your village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 